All right, welcome back to another edition of the Wide Right Podcast. I'm your host, Mammy Hurricanes beat writer Manny Navarro of The Athletic. It is Thursday around 1 p.m., February 24th, 2022. Usually this is a time of year when you're not busy, right? You're waiting for spring football to start. There shouldn't be much going on. But, of course, Miami still has not finalized its coaching staff. There's still two openings, one offense, one defense on this staff. Mario Cristobal over the weekend hiring Charlie Strong to be the linebacker's coach. Charlie, of course, another Power 5, former Power 5 head coach, joining Kevin Steele, experienced defensive coordinator in his 60s, already involved in practices uh, or at least off-season workouts that Miami is conducting there on campus. We've seen photos of him surface. <clears throat> the hire has not been uh, announced yet by the school, but it should be here in the next few days probably. Miami's obviously been <laughs> preparing for, for the start of spring football on March 7th, and I think while everybody has their eyes on that, uh, recruiting has also been a very important factor. Mario is evaluating a lot of the 2023 kids as far as the ones that don't have offers yet, particularly the quarterback position. He's looking at offensive and defensive line, very hyper-intensive in that. Over the weekend, I attended the Under Armour Next Camp Series at Miami, got to watch a lot of the top underclassmen, guys that will be seniors here this coming season. Impressed by some of them, especially on the offensive and defensive line. I think there's certainly some good options, guys, that that Mario is going after. We'll talk about some of that stuff here in a few minutes, but, you know, this episode I'm writing solo. Uh, I have a couple of interesting interviews conducted here over the last 24 hours, one of them with Isaiah Pede, a former NFL running back, who played at the University of Cincinnati. And you're probably wondering, well, why do you have that guy on this podcast? He didn't play at Miami, but he did play for new Hurricanes defensive backs coach, Jamal Adai. And uh, that was actually the first place where Adai was on a college staff as far as being an assistant coach, being a staffer. His first job was coaching running backs. Uh, And yes, he was a top safety at West Virginia, a guy who played defensive back, and that's what he's coached now. Uh, for the better part of the last decade, but his career started at Cincinnati with Pede, who eventually became a second-round pick of the Los Angeles Rams in 2012, played four seasons in the NFL, including with the Dolphins and Steelers, got into a terrible car accident, was an amputee, had his his leg amputated, and uh, tried to become a uh, Paralympian before the COVID pandemic hit and kind of halted everything. But Isaiah's 32 years old. He's only five years younger than uh, Vadai. And, you know, he looks at him sort of as a big brother. And I thought he would be a great person to sort of bring on because you can sit here and talk X's and O's with a coach and what he teaches and what he does. But really what makes a coach great in my mind is the way that they're able to connect with their players, the way that they're able to motivate them and get them ready for game day. And I thought the interview with Isaiah Pede was was excellent. He really provided a lot of great insight into the way Adai uh, coaches, the way he gets his players ready for games. Um, the kind of person he is off the field, all of those important factors. They're still in touch all these years later. That was an interview. I also spoke with um, Jafari Harvey, Hurricanes defensive end, who's now entering his fourth season. We talked a lot about the fourth quarter program that Mario Cristobal has been running through the offseason with uh, Aaron Feld, the strength coach. You know, the workouts, what it is that they've been doing. Uh, We talked a lot about his expectations for next season. Um, 
what he wants to accomplish is he wants to be in the backfield all day. Well, uh, the Hurricanes can certainly use that at the pass rushing position. They need somebody who can get to the quarterback all day. We spoke to uh, Jafari about that as well as his event this weekend. He's, he's actually going to be signing autographs for Hurricanes fans up in Coral Springs at a bagel shop to raise money for cancer, um, something that he's passionate about. So we got into all of those topics. But So we're going to get to those interviews here in a little bit, but I wanted to get into some of the other things that have sort of been happening the last few days. Number one, Miami's been uh, looking deep into the transfer portal for help at certain positions. Uh, One of them, edge rusher, another one, cornerback. Uh, I actually wrote a story yesterday preparing for the announcement of Daryl Porter, the former starting cornerback at West Virginia, who uh, I spoke to his dad earlier in the day. and Miami was one of his four finalists that he named uh, LSU, Oregon, Florida State were the others. But it really was trending towards him sort of making an announcement uh, Wednesday night that uh, he had picked Miami. Now that could happen uh, potentially sometime today or tomorrow. Either way, the story's already written. I spoke to his dad for a while about you know his skills, what he needs to improve on. I can tell you this about Porter in sort of an early scouting report. Uh, he... You know, a, a good tackler um, in the open field. I think he's improved that a lot, uh, quite a bit since he was at Plantation American Heritage. But I also think, you know, as far as his cover skills, he's he's good at deflecting passes. The one thing his dad wants to see him do more of is hang on to the football. You know, as far as interceptions are concerned. So, assuming that announcement here comes soon, uh, you can expect Daryl Porter will probably end up signing with the Hurricanes, barring some sort of unexpected twist. Uh, that'll be a nice pickup for Miami. I think he'll come in and compete for the starting job opposite Tyreek Stevenson, help provide depth. Cornerback's actually one of those positions where you have a lot of starting experience. The question is, do you have a clear-cut number two? I think Porter would come in and be the leader for that number two cornerback spot, uh, competing with guys like Takori Couch and you know DJ Ivy and Al Blades Jr. and Marcus Clark, who, who were here last year and, and have started games at Miami in the past. So we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, Miami's also interested in... Uh, former UCLA uh, linebacker Mitchell Agud, 6'4", 245 pounds. Uh, 10 games last year, 15 games over the last two seasons. He had 54 tackles, 6.5 for loss, 2 sacks, 4 forced fumbles in 2021. 15th best out of 42 edge rushers in the Pac-12 conference last year, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, so both of those guys are in play for Miami as far as potential transfers here. Obviously, the roster remains in flux. We will see what other uh, players Miami goes after. I think they just offered a Juco wide receiver, uh, somebody who couldn't uh, come out because of academic issues in 2021. So there's there's you know a lot going on as far as roster, and I'm sure you'll see the updates here uh, over time in the next few days and weeks ahead. But as spring football nears, I think you'll see some departures uh, from the roster, guys transferring out, looking for opportunities at other schools after the uh, their you know sort of the fourth quarter program ends and and they start the installation of the offense and defense and that kind of stuff so um, that's kind of what's going on with the team at the moment as far as roster is concerned but you know future roster 2023 big time March March 1st <laughs> it's going to be a big day uh, for Miami because uh, Mario Cristobal is actually going up to Lakeland Lake Gibson High School where he's going to speak uh, at the school banquet Lakeland Lake Gibson High School of course is uh, home to Cormani McLean, the number one cornerback in the country. And, you know, I caught up with his high school coach at Lake Gibson yesterday for about, I don't know, 40 minutes. Uh, Keith Bearfield, uh, he and I were on the phone talking about, you know, how it was it came to be that Mario was going to be the guest speaker uh, for their ceremony. 
And uh, essentially what happened was Coach Bearfield used to be on staff uh, at Louisiana uh, under Billy Napier. Billy Napier um, decides, well, I'm going to be the guest speaker at Lakeland High School, and you know, which, of course, is the rival of Lake Gibson. Well, Bearfield uh, reaches out to Mario Crystal and says, hey, would you like to come and speak uh, at our banquet? And, of course, Mario agrees. And, uh, and so now on March 1st, he'll be there. Hurricanes, of course, badly want Cormani McLean. He's the number one cornerback in the country, five-star. But, you know, these are the kind of little things that go on behind the scenes, the little stories. So interesting stuff, uh, you know, as far as, as far as what's going on. I know we had some leftover questions um, from the mailbag last week, and I, and I wanted to make sure I didn't just ignore them or, or pass them on. This one I thought was interesting. It was a comment at theathletic.com underneath uh, the post on uh, Mitchell Lagoo, the the ex-UCLA outside linebacker who entered the portal. Uh, this is from Donovan V. He says, um, he goes, this is a question my friends and I have pondered. How would Manny Diaz have done if given the freedom and budget Mario now has? I'm sure he's wondering where all that support was when he was head coach. Thanks. I hope to hear your take and perhaps Mr. Lato's as well on the next pod. Well, uh, Carlos is working. He's, he's busy. It's tax season, so he's busy in that. So I'm going to answer this one. Um, I, I think, first of all, it, it's tough to compare – Manny and and what what he would have been able to do with these resources to Mario because I think first of all so much of coaching is not just the resources you have to pay for people but also you know who do you have relationships with who can you convince to come and coach at your program and when you with the coaching change comes a different level of expectations and Miami has invested all of this money into Mario first of all he's I don't want to, you know, say that he's that Manny Diaz is any less respected than than Mario is, but certainly Mario's won conference championships as a coach. He's won Rose Bowls. So when he goes and he talks to a coach and tries to convince him to join his staff, that coach automatically is thinking, you know, hey, this guy just got a big deal. He's probably going to have an opportunity to be there for a few years. My chance to coach there comfortably and not worry about losing my job is it's in a better situation than if I were to go join Manny Diaz, who was coming off a seven and five season. And had he been retained, I'm not sure he could get some of the coaches that, that Mario has brought in on this staff. Um, I'm not sure he could have convinced the Kevin Steele to come over here, even with the money. Um, you hear Kevin Steele and Jamila Dye and some of these other guys talk about Mario and why they're here, you know, it, it's it's in part because the university is looking at things through a different lens now and they're investing in football ways they haven't before and because Mario has been successful as a recruiter. Everybody knows Mario is one of the best recruiters in college football. Manny Diaz didn't have that reputation. So I think for us to just say, hey, give Manny the money, we'll see, um, you know, what, what would have happened had you given Manny the same the same sort of support. I, I, I don't think you get the same results necessarily. So that's my opinion on that one. Let me look at a few other questions here that were left over from last week. With the current offensive line, defensive line, and linebackers, can Miami win 9 to 10 games a season? This is from Jason um, uh, Jason at Real Hip Hop on Twitter. Um, all right, Jason, I, I don't think with this current offensive line, defensive line, you can win a national championship. I think you can certainly win 9 to 10 games in the ACC uh, and, and potentially get to the conference championship game. I think that is certainly attainable. It's been attainable for the last few years. Um, the issue is, you know, can you step up when it matters and not disappoint against teams that you should win, you know, game, win games against? I think in this case, you look at the rest of the conference. I, I don't think, besides Clemson, I don't think there's another team that is stronger up front. I don't think it's there's an overwhelming dominant force that Miami's going to face. So 
as far as you know, being able to run the football, defend the run, I, I don't see that Miami's going to get shoved around, especially by anybody in the Coastal Division. There's been some big losses um, by, by teams in the Coastal Division. Pittsburgh would be the one team that I look at and say, okay, that's that could still be Miami's equal when it comes to offensive line and defensive line play. But as far as overwhelmingly better than Miami and more physical up front, I don't see that. So to me, without question, Miami can win 9 to 10 games. I think you look at the schedule on paper, there's only two games where they'll be underdogs uh, right now, right off the bat. That's at Texas A&M and at Clemson. I think home against uh, Pittsburgh could be a game where they're an underdog, but that depends on what Miami's record is and what Pittsburgh's rec- record is at the end of the season. So to me, I think 9 to 10 wins is certainly attainable because I don't think there are overwhelming offensive and defensive lines in the conference as far as you know teams Miami's going to be facing this year. This is from David Hernandez, D. Hernan. What position battles are you looking forward to in spring ball, and what are you hearing about the culture change? Thanks for the question, David. Uh, the position battles I'm most looking forward to are cornerback and, I would say, defensive end and wide receiver. You know, um, obviously Miami's going to need a new number one wide receiver after uh, the loss of Charleston Rambo and Mike Harley. I think there's an opportunity that, you know, the, the three amigos among those guys, uh, somebody's going to emerge. As the go-to guy, I think it'll probably be Keyshawn Smith. But who else emerges? You know, is it a Romello Brinson? Um, does he pass some of these older guys um, on the depth chart? Um, you know, that to me is interesting. I think running back, obviously, eyes will be on there to see how Don Chaney Jr. looks. You know, what kind of work does he get? Uh, how did the young freshman, you know, Cody Brown, for instance, and um, – and those guys, how do they how do they look coming back in year two? Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting position battles, and, and cornerback to me is another one where you know a guy like Daryl Porter, assuming he comes to Miami, he won't be arriving till the summertime. So this is an opportunity for somebody to really prove themselves behind Tyreek Stevenson to be the number two guy. Um, you know, to, to put themselves in position to be the number two guy, and then of course linebacker. Um, you know, who who sort of emerges um, at that spot? You know, does Corey is it Corey Flag? Uh, does does some of the young players come through and, and finally get some opportunities? You know, who looks the best? I mean, there's there's so many positions you can look at on the squad and say, you know, there's still sort of an undetermined. Um, winner or leader and uh, I think you know th- those are two places all right that's going to wrap it up for the for the uh, mailbox uh, this week I want to jump into these interviews let's start off talking about new hurricane secondary coach uh, Jamil Adai with Isaiah Pede former running back at the University of Cincinnati NFL running back who played for him first NFL player that Jamil Adai helped get into the league all right so I want to jump into our interview here with Isaiah Pede who, of course, played for uh, New Hurricanes defensive backs coach Jamil Adai. And Isaiah, first of all, welcome to the Wide Ride Podcast. Thanks for making some time for us. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, man. Glad to be here. So I want to get into Adai, but first, I mean, your story itself is so interesting. I want people to, to familiarize themselves with you if they don't know you already. You played in the NFL, obviously, for four years. Uh, we're great back at, at Cincinnati, uh, where, where uh, Jamil coached you. Um, but you, you've, you've gone through so many challenges in your life. Um, I believe you participated in the Paralympics, right, in, 2000, in 2020. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Because it's so inspirational. I, you're really an inspirational person. Uh, yeah, I uh, ran into Coach Adai, and I um, uh, believe it was my senior year in uh, college, maybe my junior year. Um, and uh, he helped me, you know, helped me getting to the next level, which was, you know, the league or NFL or not. I, I got drafted at, 
in 2012. I actually uh, was in my fifth year. I was played five years before I got in an accident and, uh, you know, lost my leg, became an amputee. And, you know, so since then, the last past five years, getting adjusted to life and whatnot. And, and early on, uh, I mean, even still now, I, I was pursuing the uh, Paralympics and trying to get into it. Um, it was a, it's a, it's a, to say the least, it's a difficult uh, type of just a situation as far as trying to get a team together, um, get information on where you need to be, what you have to do, and, and to get to the next step. So um, took the first few years doing that, trying to get things together on top of still training and still I ran in a track in a track meet. Um, and right when things got better for me as far as uh, I found a coach who would, who was local and uh, could help me. Um, I had just got with a prosthetist who can kind of keep my prosthetic leg up and going. It's almost like having to put together a pit crew. Um, right when I got out of that going, man, it was like April of 2020, which, you know, the pandemic. So stopped, literally stopped everything. Um, and since then, you know, obviously everybody had to get adjusted during the pandemic time. And so my adjustment phase has kind of just phased more to the business side of things. And, um, you know, just personal side of things. I uh, had another kid. So uh, I got two two young children. Um, and, you know, so obviously just being a parent and, and, and dealing with, the you know, the pandemic and, and the things that it affected, uh, I've kind of shied away from the Paralympic training, uh, but I, it's not, I haven't written it off. I do still want to compete, uh, rather as track, uh, uh, basketball, um, some sort of, you know, competition. I still, I still feel, you know, eager to get out there and, and, you know, do something, be athletic. So, yeah. Well, you, you bounced back from, from obviously what was, was a, a very unfortunate, uh, heartbreaking situation for you. You were in your, your fourth year in the NFL, uh, I guess had been with the dolphins in, in 2016 and been with the Steelers and Rams before that second round pick. Uh, and, and, you know, like everybody else hustling, right. To make money and, and survive in the league. And then that happened to you, but you showed so much heart coming back from that and still wanting to be an athlete. And like you said, being a father, you live in Columbus, Ohio, again, back in your, in your, in your old hometown, what do you, what are you doing for business and all that? What do you, what do you do for, for work? Uh, a, a few different things, man. I, uh, <laughs> got a truck. Uh, I actually just got, just to actually did a go and walk away from a trucking thing. I did that this past five years. Uh, and it's, it's very lucrative. It's a very good situation. It's just, again, for my situation, I'm kind of trying to cater to, you know, me get a little, you know, selfish in a way. So uh, it's just something that I didn't want to keep up with. Maybe not right now, come back to it. Uh, but right now I'm getting just into the investment part of, um, you know, real estate and things like that. So, yeah. And and I, I wonder, you know, when, when you go through things like this in life, you know, you always have certain people you stick with or, or, or people that stick by your side, right, and help you. Where does Coach Adai rank in that? And, and you know, has he kind of maintained that that relationship with you from when he was your coach? Yeah, Coach Adai, he, uh, he always, you know, checks in and reaches out. Um, you know, we don't speak, speak as frequent as maybe we would like to uh, just because, you know, life goes on or we have our life to deal with. But, uh we, we definitely keep in contact, keep in, keep in touch and keep up with each other and um, each other's success and um, 
what each other has going on. And so he's he's always been kind of like a kind of a big brother in a way. Um, when we when he was coach when he coached me at Cincinnati, he was fresh out of his playing career. So he was still kind of young in a way. So um, he was my coach. He felt like a coach slash brother to me, you know, and it's it's still that that love and it's still that type of relationship. And, um, you know, I'm very excited for him, very happy for him. Um, I told him this past this past uh, year when he uh, him and the, uh, when he was with Georgia and they made it to the Super Bowl championship. I told him I wish uh, they were playing Cincinnati because we needed that get back from the year before. <laughs> <laughs> right. The bowl you, know, you know, we still, you know, as boys, you know, trash talk or whatnot. But, you know, it's all love. So. Yeah, he um, he's obviously one of the fastest rising, I think, young coaches you mentioned. I mean, under 40, 37 years old. Uh, local out of here in state in Florida, Valrico, uh, the Tampa areas where where he's from originally. But you know, young coach got involved very young, and he's had a lot of success. What do you remember? I mean, obviously he didn't recruit you to Cincinnati, but what do you remember about your interactions with him? And what do you think makes him a good coach or some maybe a good communicator? Because that's obviously an important part of all this. I think he's a, he's great uh, at connecting with players relating with the players um as and that, I, I feel that's that's ground base level that uh kind of you know kind of gets overlooked in a way uh he's he's he can he is a player you know what i mean like he in his mind he he is a player if he can if he can put on the helmet out there he would be out there doing everything that he's trying to trying to trying to coach and so that's one thing that stuck out to me is he's his he's passionate about what he says about his coaching and, uh, and, and about the relationship he has with you because he he literally puts himself in your shoes and, and and I just feel that's 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 a lot you know coming from a coach you know someone that can relate with you and and make things very simple now he came in he was a DB all his life and yeah. <laughs> his first his first coaching job he wanted to, he came over to the offensive side and coaching running backs. And uh, there was just a few times where he was just completely honest, like, hey, I some of this, you know, I can't really I don't know yet. Uh, I'm, I'm going to learn it. But but I know about uh, being a football player and I know what uh, success, how to be successful in, in the football world. And I know what it takes to get to that next level. And I know the discipline it takes, you know, regardless of what side of the ball or what position you play. And um, and on top of that, he has a great uh, work ethic. And, you know, that's that's what I took from Coach Adai. I understood he, you know, he might not have played running back since high school when he was coaching me, but I learned from him. You know, he, he was still able to, to relate. Um, and it was, again, I believe it was his first first coaching job. And uh, so that's that's the that's the big I was only with him for a year. Um, but he, he, I did, I did appreciate the fact that he was honest. He would, he would, at some time, some points he would say, Hey, there's some things I just don't know details about the running back position. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work and put you, help put you in the best, best position, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that takes a lot for a coach, right? To, to be honest, because they're the ones supposed to have all the answers, but I, I guess that's a good, 
good aspect to have as a human being is, hey, I'm, I'm not infallible. I can learn something from this. So I, I may not have the answer. Let me go get the answer for you. Um, as far as his, his teaching, uh, obviously, you mentioned he hadn't played since, you know, running backs uh, since he was in high school. And, and now he's obviously a great DB coach. Um, what 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 lessons maybe off the field did he teach you? Was there anything that, you know, advice with the NFL, his, his own playing experiences? What kind of things did he teach you and, and what ways do you think it'll help the Miami players? Uh, he, his main teaching to me was about just staying focused and, and controlling things I can control and, you know, just not getting caught up with distraction. You know, obviously distraction can be anything, you know, outside of the locker room, outside of the field, but sometimes distraction could be, you know, within the team or within the locker room. And it's, you know, it's not necessarily a, uh negative situation where you know you've got negativity going it's just that there's a lot of distractions that come with you know the game and um he, he he just taught me how to you know narrow things down how to focus on my what's my job you know rather it's what's my job on this play what's my job on this day what's my job on this team what's my job as a leader as a man um and he he helped me really f- narrow down and focus um just on that i mean he used to one of his favorite sayings quotes that he would say to me is uh when you see everything you see nothing and initially it started off um as a as a coaching tip on the field you know me playing running back if i'm out you know looking at everybody trying to shake everybody i don't really see anything because i'm not looking at my keys so look at your keys and Whatever your key says to do, you do that. You react, and now, and now you're playing. I took it even broader, um, or even into a bigger picture, and, and took it into life. You know, when you when you see everything, you see nothing. When you're trying to, you know, do this and do that, and keep up with this, and and make sure you do, you, you kind of you're not moving anywhere. You know, and and you, know, you have to focus in life. You have to lock in and, and focus on certain things um, in order to grow your, yourself and your situation in life. And so. Um, Again, to sum it all up, the main thing that I that I take from Coach Adai that I love him for, and I'm and I'm sure is, is the reason he's successful is he's just very real, very genuine. Um, he can re- he can relate to the players because again, he is a player. I feel like he could still be out there, um, you know, with helmet and shoulder pads, and you know, calling a cover too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and good. so has he called you? I guess what, what you know when the accident happened. I guess was he? Did he come? You know, and visit you? What would you say? You know that relationship. How maybe it expanded over the years? He uh yeah he reached out. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't able, we, had, we weren't able to weren't able to connect or whatnot. But um, uh, we definitely we spoke. We we have we still speak. Uh, we actually just spoke. Uh, when he got when he got the job, actually, you know, I mm-hmm. congratulate. Um, and. You know, he, he, the door is open. The door is open. He says, you know, whenever, whenever I, I would like, if if I would like to make that jump or transition, you know, he would, you know, help me out in any way he can. Um, I have a son. He's five years old. He, he's like, you know, I'm watching out for your son. So <laughs> uh, definitely, uh, you know, we still we still in contact. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 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 a supporter from, you know, from the back. From behind the scenes, from from behind the scenes, yeah, and, and I'm guessing you're probably the first guy uh, he coached that got to the NFL directly coached. I mean, you know, in terms of influence, I, I, yeah, um, nobody yeah. else on that Cincinnati backfield was drafted, right? You were the only one, 
right? So yeah, you had well, to have been, you had to been first. I'm sure you hold yeah. a special place in his heart for that reason. Yeah, yeah. 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 Even uh, I mean, I used to love our our pregame talks too. Uh, you know, because it would, you know, it would just get personal. Me and him, he would pull me aside, and it would just, you know, he would just kind of he would get me going. You know, he was a, he he he. That's one thing about him too. He 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 can relate with you so much that he starts to know how you tick what gets you to go with what's going to bring the best out of you. What, you know, times where you're, you're down and maybe you need a, a pickup or whatnot. And so he, um, I was that guy. I was, I was always, a, you got to get me going, you know, and I, not, not, not uh, just, he knew how to tick, put it like that. He knew how to get me going. And, and I used to just love them conversations before the game, you know, he would, he would fire me up and just, just things he would say, just me and him. And so, yeah. Yeah. Coach Adai. It, any any examples? Any any times you remember, like just something that really motivated you, and how did it pay off? Was was it stuff like from your game film? You know, was it one of those things where he where he would challenge you? Was it one of those things where you know he would talk about the teammate and bring out the article that some you know some quote that the other guy said? Or how would how would he what would he do uh, to get you jacked up? What what was his winning ingredient? Uh, he 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 would he knew. I loved a challenge. I mean, he knew any challenge that was set in front of me, I was, I wanted to win, hands down. And, um, I mean, even getting kind of, you know, off script, there would be, I was late a few times, you know, and, and I would have to do uh, penalties or whatever, workout penalties. And I took that as a challenge and I would, I would, I'd be like, all right, coach, I'm ready. You know, I would go to sleep mm-hmm. early, breakfast. I'm ready for whatever you, you know. And he took that. I think he liked it, and um, and so that's how he would get me going. He would talk about maybe the linebackers. Um, he would talk about maybe a safety that was supposed to be, you know, being uh, projected. Um, you know, he would talk about the defense. Um, uh, he 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 would just. You know, I, I like to know just this, about the situation, be, be aware of, you know, everything. Um, and he would, of course, prepare me for it. And then he just put it in a challenging way, you know, and he would and he would put so much confidence in, me, you know, hey, we're going to we're going to put you, uh, for example, OK, one game we uh, <clears throat> the quarterback, Zach Kolaris, um, broke his ankle. The next game, we have a sophomore quarterback, his first start. We're playing against Rutgers. Um, Rutgers ran a, a lot of uh, cover nine, man to man, and moving guys around before the snap and blitzing. And so it was going to be a tough game for me. And I obviously know this 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 uh, sophomore quarterback can't throw the ball. He, he can't, he's not good with pressure. You know, we got to give the ball to Pete, and this is what we got going. And he would, he would talk as if he was on Rutgers team. You know, he would say, "Hey, this is this is what the game plan is this week. This is your challenge. You you got to carry the team on your back this week. You know, next week we can worry about that. This week, about 70 percent is going to be you. You know, and he would he would just keep it real, and he and he would and he would, you know, make a tick. You know, you got this guy here. He thinks he's he's big stuff. You know, he's being projected this and. Watch how he plays, you know, watch how he comes downhill. Um, you know, you got this guy here. He's, he's you know, he might run a four, three, something and 44, whatever. He's projected this high. 
you know, let's see what happens when you line up with him. You know, he would just he would say things like that. Like he'll give he'll, he'll just make the, the 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 moment very uh just a challenge to to step to rise to. And I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, those mental challenges, it seems like that's something he's really known for, right? With all of his guys, the way that he and and how I don't know how often when you've played for a bunch of coaches, I'm sure throughout your career from high school all the way up to the pros. How does that compare? How does he compare maybe to some of those other ones? And is he unique in all or, you know, what in what ways is he unique or, or different? I think um, <clears throat> he his confidence in you uh, that he puts in you. Uh, along with the the quote unquote trash talk, the challenge. You know, mm-hmm. he he'll give you this challenge and, and and pay respect to the challenge, and then he'll give he'll talk about you and pay respect to you and and instill that confidence in you that that you can get it done. Um, and I and I'm trying to come up with an example for it, but uh, it's it's. You know, uh, he just he's he instills a certain confidence in in you as a player. Uh, he'll say something to you that one of your players will say to you, and not necessarily a coach. You know, and that's where, but he is the coach, and and it just it, it hits different. It hits different. It hits different, man. He hits as if he's on the field with you, um, and it's. You know, it's it's almost one of them. You know, if you know, you know, type of things. You know, if you're a player, and that that certain coach that you like to go to this coach, maybe maybe just on game days. You know, I, I like to go to this coach. I had a coach. Uh, not to bring up another guy, but he was on that Cincinnati team. He played. He was on. He was a defensive coach. Um, but just the way he would row up the team and get the team going and def- and the DBs going. He, he was a DB coach um, on game days. I had to I had to be by coach and I would just listen to him talk and and it's like oh and that's how coach Adai was all the time um, more he was on a more smoother uh, uh, frequency scale because uh, coach Combs he was coach Combs was crazy <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, coach Adai he was he was the same he was just mellow but he would talk the same type of slick you know things that get you tick and to get you going and uh, of course. Um, you know, he, he has the coaching, every, everything's come with coaching, um, but he did, he he got a lot into, you know, how you should be, how you should, you should be preparing, how, uh, what you should be eating, sleeping, um, you know, where your mind should be, where your focus should be. You know, it was just, it was just way bigger than X's and O's. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm sure you got to be proud of him. Like you think about being one of, like I said, his first NFL guy. And now, you know, he's at Miami, he's got a national championship ring in his pocket. He's probably yeah. going to be a head coach one day. And I know obviously, you know, the, the conversation about black head coaches in the NFL and, and those type of opportunities, you were in the NFL. Do you think he's got that pedigree one day to, to be like a Mike Tomlin and be, be somebody who leads an NFL franchise? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because he's a, he's a, you know, blue collar man, you know, he comes to work, he comes to work, um, you know, no excuses. He's, he's not, you know, complaining, um, you know, after a tough loss, we're back in and let's, let's, let's first figure out, you know, sorry. No, it's okay. You're good. Figure out what happened. Um, you know, close close the doors on that, and and move forward. I mean, um, he 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 is uh, he got a, he has integrity. You know, for the game, he loves the game. I'm sure the game's been really good to him, and he 
he, you know, gives that in return, you know, to the game. Uh, I think he he would definitely have a good shot of of being a premier coach in the NFL and maybe even one day being a Mike Tomlin, being a head coach. Uh, he's he's very, um, you know, disciplined and uh, you know, not really any tolerance for you know anything other than getting better, getting better every day and 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 winning. You know, like I said, he came over my first, his first year from defense. So he had just was playing DB for an NFL team probably the year prior. And then he comes um, <clears throat> coaching up. And it was just his determination, uh, his honesty of, you know, him saying, hey, I don't know much about the situation, but I'm going to put you in the best position. And his determination um, in doing that. Uh, and then obviously his history being what it is, like you say, he has a national championship. Um, I mean, I, I don't see why he couldn't be a candidate to get to get a good job in the NFL. So. Yeah, number two recruiter in the country according to uh, the uh, recruiting rankings last year. I mean, he, he signed a really good class at Georgia, and I know he didn't recruit you per se, but you obviously played with some guys who he did recruit. I wonder mm -hmm. what 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 his reputation was with that, or what you heard about him as far as convincing guys and being a recruiter. I never heard anything. You know, they were all young. They were younger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, I was the upper class when I was the one. That <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. But uh, no, nah, I mean, he I, again, just the, his, the way his coaching style is and the way he loves to, you know, relate and to get close with a player. Once he is yours, mm -hmm. I can only imagine um, him, you know, sitting on 18 year old, you know, couch with his parents there and he's trying to get them to feel comfortable to come, you know, play with him. I'm sure he's, you know, very good at it. And like you say, it, it speaks volume being a number two mm -hmm. coach. Or yeah. being there. When you guys won, what were the rewards? Did he, did he do fun things with you guys at all? Or, uh, you know, some some coaches, like offensive line coaches, love taking their guys out to eat, right, or something like that. What, what would he do with you guys whenever you won a game? Or was it more just the motivational focus type thing? It was, uh, I think it was, I believe it had to be something small in the, in the room. I can't can't you guys didn't have like a belt or for player of the week or anything like that or any any little awards he'd give you guys had a picture up on the wall for some uh for some things um but you know back then it wasn't i mean you got players that can uh you know get endorsements and stuff now we <laughs> if he would have took us to chipotle man we would all been all over new <laughs> <laughs> you would have been happy with that yeah and so we uh you know, but he would, we would just, uh, we did have something about some pictures and things like that. Like who did had this much, this or that going on. So, um, I mean, we, he, he did a good job of keeping us motivated and, and patting us on our back when it was time to, uh, and he good, he did a good job of, okay, now snap and clear. That was the, that was the, uh, phrase snap and clear snap that plays over clear, you know? So once then once, um, Sunday came, we watched the game, we closed the door and we started Monday on the next, the next school. So he did a good job of, of just locking us in each and every moment that, you know, transfers into life. So. Yeah. Isaiah, listen, man, you gave me a ton of time. I really, I really appreciate it. It was a, it was a fun conversation. I love getting to know these new coaches through, through players eyes, because you guys are the ones that really, I mean, a, you're the ones that he's going to be coaching and b. You experienced it all, you know, and uh, and you still have a good relationship with him. He still checks in with you. So that shows um, what kind of guy he is at heart, that he doesn't forget his guys. And he and he, 
and he stays on him. So uh, interest, interested to cover him in the years ahead and interested to see what happens with you. I hope I hope you're able to get back on the track or in some way, shape or form. And if not, I wish you the best of luck in life, man. I'm sure you're going to you're going to do well, Isaiah. I appreciate that, man. Thank you, man. I, hopefully I do get on the track somewhere, but I definitely appreciate you having me and uh, getting to reminisce a little bit about, about my boy, Coach Adad, man. Tell him, if you do get to speak with him, tell him, man, reach out. <laughs> tell, him, tell him, just hit me up, give me a holler. Say, I spoke, I spoke with my man. <laughs> I, will, I will absolutely do, do that for you. Isaiah, thanks again. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, with that, let's uh, move on to our next interview with Jafari Harvey. He's entering his fourth year with the Hurricanes next fall. Wants a starting job at one of those defensive end positions. Here's Jafari. We're going to get to our conversation here with Jafari Harvey, Miami Hurricanes defensive end. And Jafari, welcome to the Wide Right Podcast. Thank you for having me. So I see that you're going to be in Coral Springs this weekend, Saturday, for this event called Let's Tackle Cancer. I guess fans can show up at the door, $20, and you'll be able to have, they'll be able to have you autograph any memorabilia of their choice. Tell me about this event. Oh, you know, um, yeah, Mara actually put this together. She actually is fighting cancer herself. So, you know, it's extra special. But, you know, I always love giving back to the community, you know, whenever I have a chance to, you know, it's very important for me. So when she um, hit me up about the event, you know, I was, I was all good. So tell me again, the person who, who, uh, who organized it? Gail uh, Morrell. She's actually oh. a Tom Kane fan. Okay. And, and and you've just known her from, from over time or how'd you sort of uh, get involved? Uh, my mother actually worked with her. Oh, okay. So this is a, this is obviously a big deal for you. Have you lost other family members or, or experienced, you know, people in your family or friends that have dealt with it? Uh, no, sir. I have not, but you know, I want to spread, I want to spread awareness for it. Yeah, obviously it's a very important cause. Um, and any other players going with you on Saturday or? Oh, no, it's just me. The address is 5906 Coral Ridge Drive in Coral Springs, uh, Saturday, uh, February 26th. That's this Saturday. Um, and I guess there's going to be some complimentary bagels that they're uh, going to be giving out as well. All proceeds collected will be donated to the American Cancer Society. So it's important to be there. What time does it start? Do you know? Uh, 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. So let, let's talk a little bit of football, uh, Jafari. Just when you, when, you, when you think back to last season and the way things sort of shaped up for you, what did you take away uh, individually? We know what the team did, but you individually, how you grew as a player, where did you see your, your biggest stride? Um, uh, personally, I feel like, you know, I got way more to contribute to the team. Uh, I don't be selfish, but I feel like I could do way better. So, you know, I'm just grinding right now. I'm just trying to, you know, everybody grinding right now to the, have the best season we can next year. It's one of those interesting things, right? When you self-evaluate, you sit there, and I'm sure you're probably harder on yourself than maybe even your coaches, right? When you, when you yeah. sit there and review... When when you look at the good things that you that you did and you accomplished, what what good did you accomplish in in your own opinion? I would say I played the run better than um, I played the run pretty well, and um, you know I just I'm just stepping up as a leader for my team. You know, with everybody, you know, gradually I'm getting older, so you now I just try to be a leader. But yeah, last year I learned I learned, I learned a lot from um, from just different players like Zach McLeod, like he was in there working hard every day. You know, I took a lot from him. You know, John Johnson. So, you know, I'm just trying to be a better player, you know, every day. You, you mentioned those older guys like Zach McLeod who were there for, for what, almost seven years. It felt like he was there forever. Yeah. Kind of the grandpa of, of the group. The, he, he was one of the leaders in sacks. I think you ended up finishing, I think, with two and a half. You had that big interception return for a touchdown in North Carolina. It was a huge play. When, when you look back at that and you say, man, I, I could probably do this how often? Have those pick sixes and, and make those sacks. I mean, when you, when you look at goals for yourself, you say, this is, this is a number I'll be proud of. Man, I don't want to put a number on the sack, but I know I'm getting way more than I did last year. 
I can put anything on that. Just trust me. I'm gonna I'm be back there a lot this year. You know, I'm working hard for it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna be living in the backfield this year for sure. You obviously have some new teammates, some new guys that that have have arrived through the transfer portal. Uh, Jake uh, Lichtenstein is one of them from from USC. Antonio Maltry is another guy on the defensive line who's kind of a new addition. Um, you guys have been going through those, you know, off-season workouts, obviously. What what are those two guys like? How would you describe them and, and their personalities? You know, them boys came in, just started grinding right away, you know. They, you wouldn't realize they just, they just came, transferred in, you know, they act just like us. Like, they ain't here every day, day in, day out, working hard, you know, not complaining about anything, just, you know, grinding how it's supposed to be. Jake is uh, a guy who, who started at USC, but he's originally from South Florida, um, and, and, you know, played locally. Curious about him coming back home. Um, you know, did he talk to you at all about that? Did you guys have a lot of conversations about his return and what the experience was like out there? Uh, yeah, you know, he's very excited to be back home. You know, you can play right in front of your family. You know, California is a long ways away from Florida, <laughs> so, you know, a lot of family can't really come out there and support how they can now, you know. Um, he's from Broward, so that's like what? His hometown is probably like, what, 30 minutes away from the stadium? Yeah. At 25 or something, so, you know, it's he loves being down here back home. You know, it's just a great experience for him. Yeah, I, I'm sure he's going to be even more inspired, you know, knowing that his parents will be able to come to games and whatnot. For you, talk about your family and, and you know, the support you get from them. Yeah, I got a pretty big family. You know, I got four sisters, you know, so, you know, I got a lot of support from them. You know, they're there every game. So, you know, I can't really ask for anything better. The offseason program, the fourth quarter program, we, we've seen coach sort of talk about it. You know, you obviously guys got a, a new a new strength coach in Aaron Feld. But what is that fourth quarter program like? How would you describe it? You know, what you what you guys are doing? You know, work is work. You know, as every fourth quarter program would do, like you just got to, you know, it's supposed to make you like you just go in there, you know, put your head down, grind, make you a better player, a better person. Uh, I feel like we're, we're coming to be, uh, we're coming together. Very well as a team, you know, we're making big strides for uh, you know, spring football coming around. We just getting the best shape possible. What are the drills like? I had heard, you know, uh, one of our writers, Andy Staples, who I had on my podcast previously, he actually went through a workout. He was a former player at Florida, and he went through a workout with Coach Feld, and he talked about how there's so much more focus on explosion, explosiveness, explosion, and. Yeah. You know, he uses sort of he, he can even create some of his own sort of weight machines using rubber bands and all different kinds of stuff. You know, as far as like the actual work was was how would you describe it? Was it definitely more explosiveness? Did you use rubber bands? What, what, how would you sort of describe it to, you know, the fans to say, hey, this, these are some of the new things we did that was kind of cool. Uh, what I can say is, you know, it's very it's, it's, it's more football oriented. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're working on our craft every day as we're working out. So as we're getting stronger, we're also working on football. So. That's one of the best things about the uh, program. You know, yes, we, have, we do use bands and everything, but uh, one of the biggest things is, you know, the, he incorporates football into the workouts. And I guess, is that exciting as a player? Because does it feel different, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Coach Feld, he's got that interesting mustache. Is he a loud guy? I mean, it, does, does, the, does the mustache match the personality? How, do you, how would you sort of describe his personality and what he's like? You, know, you got to be a loud guy when you're a uh, strength and conditioning coach. But, <laughs> yeah, the, you know, he has, he has a very up, uh, uplifting, you know, bright personality. So, yeah, you know, you, you got to be yelling and screaming when you're a strength coach, you know, get everybody motiv uh, motivated. How did your body change from, from maybe the end of last season to, to now, you know, getting through this program, getting ready for spring football? Did you get 
uh, you know, did you put on more weight? Did you cut weight? Was that not really a fact? What was sort of your focus, what you were trying to do individually with your body? Um, my, my main focus is not really weight. It's really uh, just trying to get more, trying to get as uh, explosive as I can be. Mm-hmm. You know, get off that ball, you know, first step, quickness. And I want to, like, like I said, I want to live in the backfield. So that's really what my main focus right now is quickness and explosion, you know, just jumping out there. Aside from the guys who, who who transferred in, there were were obviously a couple of freshmen who enrolled early and two guys in particular that everybody's excited about because they were such highly rated guys, Cyrus Moss and Nigel e. Kelly. I'm curious, what has their attitude been like since they've been there? You remember being in their shoes, I'm sure, as a true freshman, right? right? How, yeah. How's their atti- attitude been? Um, yeah, they've been having good attitudes. You know, those guys are going to be, you know, real good in the future. You know, I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to uh, give them all my knowledge, you know, and just making sure that they do what I didn't do at their age and so they could be better players. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those guys are some guys to look out for because they're going to be real good players and they're hard workers already. With Coach Cristobal, what's the biggest difference that you sense just being around him? How is it different maybe than it's been in the past? Um, well, you know, you can't, you know, football coming up soon, you'll already, you'll already be able to tell, you know, when we put the pads on. But as of right now, you know, we're just working on just getting teams together, getting that team chemistry right. Just everybody gelling together because, you know, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You know, the team being together and being as one. Coach Steele, you obviously got a chance to meet him. He's the new coordinator. The, the impression he made on you guys when he when he spoke to you, he's a guy who's been around the game a long time, has a lot of experience, did a lot of winning. What was kind of the impression for the guys in the defensive room the first time you, you met him? Uh, you know, we're excited to work with Coach Steele. You know, he has a, a lot of knowledge he can pour into us. You know, definitely know, know all. He definitely knows what he's doing. So, you know, we're just excited to bucket of chest up, um, stretch our stuff and get to work. So you guys officially kick off camp, I guess, March uh, 7. What's the conversation like in the locker room? What are you guys all sort of saying to each other? What's what's the attitude going into that? You know, it's going to heat up soon coming up like next week, you know, when we, uh, you know, we start getting uh, more football stuff. But we're just talking to the O-line, telling the boys we want you know, do, do what we're supposed to do to them. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'm curious. This NIL thing has been great for you guys. It seems like everybody on the team has a deal now, right? I mean, you look at yeah. uh, Mr. Ruiz and some of the other folks that have been involved with Life Wallet and getting deals done. For you, how has it helped you as, as just being a college kid, you know, and maybe some of the bills to pay and all that kind of how is how has the NIL helped? Uh, you know, it helps a lot of us, you know, give back to our families more because, you know, a lot of people just aren't like, aren't uh, blessed to make too much financially where they could just, you know, a lot of us uh, give back to our family more and just have a little bit more money in our pockets. So, you know, it's, it's a big blessing because a lot of times, it's like sometimes you can't even do what you want to or, or, or give back how you want to because you don't really have it. But now it's, and I, and I yell is coming, you know, it's, it's a blessing to, to actually be in college while it's going down so you can help out a little bit more. I'm curious, how many deals do you have in place now? And and which ones are maybe the most interesting? Like what do you, like in terms of what you need to do? Have you had to do any commercials, social media work? How have you sort of? Uh, what are your deals, or what have you sort of done? Yeah, I got a couple right now. I don't know exactly how much, but okay. um, I've is definitely you know we yes you guys have probably seen on Twitter and Instagram that we've been doing like different uh, stuff like commercials and um, you know just different things with them podcasts and stuff. And that really helped. I really helped a lot of us because like it's um. Like we won't be new. We won't be new to it um, in the next level because we're doing it right now, and we're learning how to talk in front of a camera and how to, um, you know, act in front of a camera. So it's 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 a good experience. You know, it's teaching a lot of us. 
different things we haven't did yet. This is going to be your fourth year now, right, at Miami, Jafari, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, What's your major and how close are you to graduation? I'm, I'm curious what you've been studying and how you've been doing in the classroom. Uh, I'm majoring in sociology right now, and um, I should, I'm going to try to graduate right now um, after the season. After the season, that's great. And what do you, uh, what was sort of the dream with the sociology degree? Did you, you know, as a plan B type thing, obviously football is number one, but curious, you know, what you, what you thought you might be able to do with the degree down the road. Oh, you know, right now I'm just focused on football. But, okay. <laughs> you know, I'll get across that bridge when I get there, but right now I'm just focus on football. <laughs> You'll worry about that one. You know, great. School is definitely important. You know, I'm focused on my grades too. But yeah, yeah. As of right now, I'm not even focused on plan A right now. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. I wasn't I wasn't trying to get you to be like, hey, I'm giving up on football. I just, you know, some guys, I guess, think about that. Do, do you guys talk about, you know, um, besides football, when you guys are all hanging out together just as friends, what sort of the topics now? I mean, do you guys um, wh- what do you enjoy off the field yourself? I'm, like Tyler Van Dyke, for instance, when I had him on the podcast, he talked about golf, how much he loves golfing. What do you like to do when you're not focused on football or, or school? Really, you know, I'm not really. I like to, you know, just hang out with the family. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I like uh, like riding bikes and stuff, like uh, like like dirt bikes and stuff. Or, oh, that's you cool. Know, so, like, you know, not really too much. I, don't really, I just be hanging out really on the weekends. Yeah, because Cyrus Moss was telling me about some of the stuff he did with bikes and, and climbing up hills and outdoor activities and some guys like that kind of stuff. But I guess for you, it's dirt bikes and, and and hanging out favorite tv show favorite you know series or anything that you kind of watch you know you got to make sure you're on every week 50 cents uh tv shows you know you got power bmf uh, mm-hmm. raising canon the whole stars shows he has going on right now I'm yeah tuned in i'm tuned in to see what's going on uh, you kind of look like you could be an actor i don't want to put you know another <laughs> job in your future but you kind of have that that spark the personality for it i don't know is that something you'd be interested in doing uh man, if it's a, you know if, if I come across it, I do. And I'm not, I'm not, I won't shy away from everything. If anything, who who is the most um artistically gifted player on the team? Music, uh, acting. What? Who do you think could pull it off? Maybe funniest comedian. Who's kind of give me give me some of those guys. Uh, I would say Alvarez. You know, Alvarez could do a lot of things. He did, you know, <laughs> like poetry, acting, uh, singing, rapping. Uh, everything I'll be able to do it all. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the one. And who's the biggest comedian on the team? Who's the guy that gets everybody in stitches laughing? Oh man, we got a lot of them. I couldn't even pick one. <laughs> couldn't pick <laughs> one. Right. Yeah, I couldn't even pick one. Now I know some guys dabble in cooking, and I wonder, you know, does anybody do cookouts? Invite pe- the the teammates over to come eat. Who's the one that kind of tries to take care of you guys? Maybe with some old recipes or or food or anything like that. I won't really say cookouts. You know, a couple people want to see cook. I can cook personally. You but, could, okay. Yeah, what um, What do you What do you throw down? Uh, I make um, I make because my, my my heritage is Jamaican, so and I got Jamaican family, so I could call my mom if I need some help on something. I will call her and say, "Oh, how do I make some um, you know, like some brown stew chicken or like you know anything?" And she'll just give me a recipe or buy them on the phone, so it's pretty easy. All right. But, that, that's those are important skills in life, right? Beyond football yeah. and all that. You kind of experiment with that stuff as you get older. Jafari, yeah. man, listen, I, I appreciate you, all the time you gave me again. I want uh, the listeners to make sure make sure they know this Saturday up in Coral Springs. I'm going to give the address again here. If I can open my phone up and look at the ad because I have it here on my on my uh, on my phone. Uh, it's the Let, Let's Tackle Cancer event. Twenty dollars at the door. Jafari is going to sign any memorabilia you have. Um, there's going to be some free bagels out there. All the money goes to the American Cancer Society. 
Address again, 5906 Coral Ridge Drive, Coral Springs, Florida, 33076 from noon to three, right? Please come out. We need all support we can get, you know, help us fight cancer, please. Yep. All right. Listen to the man and make sure to follow him this fall. It's going to be an exciting football season. I'm I'm jacked up. This is the most excited I've been about the football team in a while. I'm sure you are, too. Yeah, very. <laughs> all right, Jafar. I really appreciate it, man. Sure, thank you. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Wide Right. Be sure to tune in next week. We'll have more uh, coverage looking ahead to the start of spring football. I'm your host, Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer. Make sure you sign up for The Athletic. I'm the new kid in town, about to take this crown.